The world has changed a lot in a few short months. Not that long ago, COVID-19 was not in our vocabulary. We had never heard of shelter in place or social distancing. We've been plunged into a world without church services, movie theaters, handshakes, or hugs. A world at home. And this season has taught us a lot. Some of the lessons were fun and some of them painful. Most of them seasoned with the bitterness of loneliness and isolation. But we must remember that we are not alone in the church. We need each other now more than ever. We are all called to minister to our friends, children, and neighbors. We are all called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to open our homes to the lost and broken, and introduce them to the God who is longing to meet with them. And as we engage with the pain around us, we become a beacon of hope. Our homes can become the light of community the world is starved for. As the church, we must remind people in this season that we may be home, but we are not alone. Hey, I'm really glad to be here with you today. I want to say a special hello to everybody who's tuning in from around the world. Many of you have been praying for my wife, Christina. She's had major heart challenges for three years. She was going downhill. I think we got to about two weeks more of her life when by the grace of God, she got a heart transplant in May and um, it was literally life-changing. After 24 days, most of which was in the ICU, she's back home. Within one day, she was walking around the block with me. She's like a teenager who's got a new car who wants to take it out for a spin. She's taking her new heart for a spin every morning or every evening, going about a mile, and uh, she's got a future now. By the grace of God, thank you for praying for us. When people say that, well, I can just connect with God on my own, that's true. But the body of Christ, when people love you, when they pray for you, when they shop for you, when they, when they surround you with love, there's a grace that is so precious, such a great treasure. I, I wouldn't want anybody to be without it. So thank you. Uh, we know that this is a very challenging time in our nation and for all of us right now. The whole COVID situation has worn us. It has put our emotions on edge. And now the social unrest after George Floyd's death has pained us, has grieved us. And we're faced with some challenges in our nation that, that could go either way. And we know that. I don't believe that it's set in stone what's going to happen with the United States. I believe we're part of the equation. I believe that our response, and our response must be one of humility, one of seeking God uh, in order to get a good outcome. I've discovered when I've talked to my friends about political situations that I have very little influence over them politically. The same people that respect me when I open the Word of God think that I'm just another guy speaking into the wind when I talk politics. Well, here's what I want to suggest to you. We have the power and the privilege of declaring truth at a time that is critical in our nation's history, and many people are very open to the gospel right now. 
I'm going to be speaking to you today about the rewards and the challenges of kingdom ministry. There are plenty of challenges, but within each challenge, there's an opportunity. And that's what is in front of us right now as citizens in this great country. We have challenges and we have opportunities. I was taking a hike the other day and I came to a junction after I had come down from the top of the mountain where I had been praying and uh, a couple was coming up the mountain and another family was going down on another side and the couple asked me, uh, is this the way that we should go? And I said, well, it's not a through street. You know, you, it's a great place to go and talk to the Lord, but there's no trail back down the other side. And as soon as I said that, the other family, the lady started saying, talk to the Lord. And she just brightened up because people need to know the Lord's available. And, and they're eager. They're eager to talk to their friends. They're eager to find out what is God doing in their life. So get a Bible, please. We're going to open to Matthew chapter 13. And also, if, especially if you have a group, get some cups, get some bread. We're going to take communion at the end of this service. Let's pray, and then I'll get into the Word. Father in heaven, open our eyes as we talk about your Word, as we talk about the kingdom. Let us experience the grace and the power and the love that comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So Jesus began Matthew 13 by telling a parable. It's a simple parable. Most of you have heard it. It's about a man who goes out and scatters seeds. He wants to plant so that he can get a harvest. And he scatters some of the seeds and they fall on a path and the birds swoop down and eat them up. I'm assuming it was a windy day because he would have probably put it in tilled soil initially. But the birds swept up 25% of the seed. And then some of the seed fell in rocky places. So it, it was able to take uh, root for a little bit because, but because of the rocks that the soil was not sufficient and the seed died out. And some of the seed fell among thorns and the thorns choked it out so it was never fruitful. And then other seed fell in good soil and it brought forth a harvest, a hundred, sixty, or thirtyfold. So Jesus tells this parable and then the disciples start asking him some questions. The first Reward or challenge of the kingdom of God is this. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven are not given to everyone. There are secrets. And God doesn't just reveal these secret treasures to everybody. Here's what happened. Verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now, if it was me, I'd be like, I'm not going to keep any secrets. I'm going to let everybody know how good I am if I'm God the Father. But our Father in heaven keeps secrets. And those secrets are a reward for those who obey. The reason it's so critical to obey what Jesus said is that he then opens the treasures of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Many people say, well, God works in mysterious ways. Well, there's some truth in that. We don't understand fully what God's doing. We don't fully understand what he's doing in our nation right now. However, 
he does make certain mysteries clear to disciples. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said, in the last days, he's going to unite all things under Christ. In Ephesians 2, he said he's going to unite the Jews and Gentiles into one new man. In Ephesians 3, he says he's going to reveal his manifold wisdom through the church. I believe it's imperative that the church gets rid of divisions, that we have unity in the body of Christ so that we can reveal the goodness of God so people in our community do know that Jesus is alive, that he's Lord, and that his love overcomes every division. Now, so there's secrets. When you obey, when you're willing to get baptized, when you're willing to be a generous giver, when you're willing to forgive those who offend you, then you begin to discover, oh, this is what it means. This is what it feels like to have your sins forgiven. This is what it feels like when, when you give and it comes back to you and there are more resources available than you realize. This is what it means to be free from the entanglement of an emotional bondage to somebody. You're beginning to understand the kingdom. The second challenge and reward is this. Those who understand the kingdom can defeat the evil one. Now we're going to get into the parable a little bit. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Matthew 13, 18. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. There is an evil one, and he snatches truth. He deceives. He confuses. We have political arguments raging in our nation. If you watch one channel, they'll say the, the liberal left is out to destroy the country. You watch another channel and they'll say the president and his minions are, are going to take us into a dictatorship. We have a raging political battle. There is an evil one seeking to divide us. Our job as believers is to try and bring unity, try and bring understanding, try and quell the forces of violence that can really wreak havoc in a society. Jesus said that we can overcome the evil one. It says in 1 John, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And the key to overcoming the evil one that Jesus mentioned here is understanding the kingdom, grasping it, understanding the plans and purposes of God that our Father who declares His love really does love us. And even when things start to go south, it doesn't mean we're not loved. It doesn't mean we're being judged. It means that we're being led on a path to a greater purpose to accomplish the kingdom that we pray will come to earth and the will that we pray will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Third challenge. Deep roots can enable us to overcome trouble and persecution. Deep roots. The seed falling on rocky ground, verse 20 says, refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. But when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. We need deep roots. There was seed that fell among rocky ground, and because it didn't have deep roots, then the sun comes out and it just burns it up. 
trouble and persecution come to those who have the Word of God. Yeah, if you get in a political argument, like I've done many times, what you realize is that people have passionate beliefs and sometimes they'll attack you. Sometimes they'll try and shame you for believing in a way that's different than they do. Well, I'm not really willing to go to the wall for my political beliefs, but I am willing to do whatever it takes to uphold the Word of God. And that means sometimes it's going to bring me trouble. The reason that many people don't bear fruit is they're not willing to engage the blowback that comes when you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's got a plan and purpose for everybody. Again, what, what I've experienced lately is there's a wonderful openness right now. I've prayed with different people on the trails of Arizona, people that I've never met before in my life. I've prayed with them because when we look at a sunset together standing on a mountaintop and, and say, isn't this beautiful? Didn't God give us a, a special blessing here? There, they, we realize, hey, we believe in God, you believe in God. Let's, let's give him thanks right here and now. People are praying for revival for our country, and there's been prophetic words that we're going to have a great revival. Well, I'll tell you what brings about revival. Revival comes when God's people, me and you, simple, regular people, not famous people, but regular believers are sharing their faith, allowing the Lord to use you. And part of what we want to do is show you that you are called, you are equipped, you've got the power of Christ in you. If Jesus is your Lord, you have the power of Christ in you to accomplish his will and his purpose. So don't keep your light hidden. Let it shine. So during the coronavirus shutdown, what were you going to do? I'm hoping you were going to dig into the Word of God. I'm hoping that you made it a time to get your roots deeper. I've had various times in my life where I wasn't sure what God was going to do. When we moved to Arizona in 1984, I left a prosperous, wonderful church and came and started all over. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the only answer I could get is, get your roots deeper. Because the day is going to come when you're going to need those deep roots. So if you've got a little bit of time, now's the time to get your roots deeper. The fourth principle we're talking about, God's kingdom is more powerful than our worries and more valuable than our wealth. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The word of God is by its very nature life-giving. He created the world by speaking the word. It was through the word that everything that we see was formed and made, and that word became flesh. His name is Jesus. So we've got this life-giving word in us, if Christ is in our life. But sometimes it gets choked. It gets choked and we're not fruitful. Why is that? When I've asked guys, so what are you studying in the word? You know what the unfortunate answer is sometimes? Well, I've been really busy. You know what the translation of that is in my mind? The worries of this world have choked my fruitfulness. 
the worries of this world, whether or not I'm going to be able to provide. So if I was going to really drill down with somebody and say, are you really afraid that you're not going to have enough to provide for your family? They say, oh, well, no, 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 no. But the worries of this world are choking them because they're, they're moving on the basis of anxiety and there's no room for them to do the work of ministry. The people I'm proudest of are not people that are idle or people that are just doing ministry all the time, but they're people who are working, providing, giving, and doing the work of ministry, and letting the Lord use them, and sharing their faith with the people they work with, and with some of their neighbors, and some of their friends. These are people who are being very fruitful. The Word of God is more powerful than our worries, and more valuable than our wealth. Well, how could I say that? I can say it like this. In Proverbs it says that faith is more precious than gold. Faith is more precious because when you're in crises, and every one of us goes through crises, we had my wife's heart. Uh, we didn't know if she was going to live or die. But you know what? We were not ground down. We were not uh, unfruitful in the three years leading up to her transplant because we had a faith. We had a faith that whether she lived or whether she died, her life has had an impact and she's going to have a reward. So death is not the end of the impact of any believer. And that faith got us to a place where God provided miraculously through his mercy and through great medical science a new heart. So she's still going and going stronger than she's gone in a long time. You're going to have your own crises. It's going to be unique to your family. And your faith is going to be far more valuable than your gold because it's rare that gold or wealth can solve a true spiritual crisis in any family or in, in any nation. We've got a lot of wealth in the United States and we've got a crisis. Faith is either going to allow you to live in grace and peace or you're going to be living in fear and anxiety. And we've all tasted some of this fear and anxiety. We've all been troubled. We've all been tested. That's really what this means. We've been tested. We've been pushed into a place where we're not comfortable. But that's not the end because our God has got a great future in store for each and every one of us. The fifth principle is it's hard to believe how fruitful we can be. We can be incredibly fruitful. Verse 23 says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This to me is such a beautiful verse. It's beautiful because it says that even if we fail three quarters of the time, 25% of our seed snatched by the devil when we're ministering to other people. 25% of our seed burns up because the soil was too rocky. 25% of our seed choked out because of worries and cares. If all we are successful is one out of four seeds that we plant, it can still produce an incredible harvest 30, 60, or 100 times. 
Uh, my wife, Christina, has received all these letters from people around the country saying, thank you for teaching me, as Claudia Garcia said, thank you for teaching me how to do books when we were back in Nevada together because she, Christina, taught her how to do the, her husband's books on his business. She ended up getting a job as a bookkeeper. Her husband was in, on disability, and Claudia was able to provide for her family for 30-some years as a bookkeeper working for a major grocery stores chain. Um, thank you for helping deliver my baby. Thank you for uh, everything you've done. And, and here's the thing I'm saying to you. You have been doing things for people as well. You have been planting seeds, and those seeds are starting to germinate. They're starting to bear fruit, and you're going to have a reward from that. If you do the math on this, let's say that guy who went out to scatter seed had 100 seeds. 25 were lost in the rocky soil, 25 were lost on the path, 25 were choked out. But if he was successful in planting those 25 seeds, and Jesus said some of them bear 100-fold, some 60, some 30. The average, if you add those three together and divide it by three, is 63 seeds for every one that germinates. So that 100, even though he was unsuccessful three-quarters of the time, produces 1,500 seeds. If the guy does it again the next season, the 1,500 seeds become 25,000 seeds. If he does it for a third season, the 25,000 seeds, even though three-quarters of them are going to be lost again, turn out to be 378,000 seeds. That is an incredible return on investment. You've heard the commercial that Michael Jordan missed so many different shots. Well, every three-point shooter in the NBA misses more than they make. Every good hitter, the best hitters, two-thirds of the time get out in baseball. In hockey, the best shooters miss the net more than they score. Every believer has things that don't work out, and that makes us sad. But we should never quit because of that doesn't mean you're not qualified. It just means that you've got to believe that when they hit good soil, great things happen. I'm going to mention a couple more things and then we're done. Kingdom work often starts small. Verse 31, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The work of the kingdom starts small. So when you're ministering to people, you invited some, some of you invited people into your house today for this worship service, and maybe only a couple people showed up, and sometimes it can feel very, very futile. It can feel futile. I, I remember the first congregational meeting Living Streams ever had. Uh, my mom was visiting from California. She had been there on Sunday morning when we had 20 or so people, and I invited everybody over to the Stockton's house. Uh, Billy and Patty were opening their home for our congregational meeting, and they were going to provide refreshments, and we were going to talk about the vision and future of the church. And so we, we gathered that night. Guess how many people show up? The Stockton boys, Billy and Patty, Christina and me and our four kids, and my mom, who was there, and one other person. So we went ahead and had the meeting. And uh, afterwards, I asked my mom, I said, well, mom, what did you think? And she said, Mark, I felt so sorry for you. I wanted to join the church. And I, I said, I appreciate that, mom. She's so honest with me. And uh, here's the thing. Looking back, 
Those were precious days. I had no idea that those little Stockton boys that were playing around in the room, that one of them would become a missionary and go to China and, and go to the Middle East and now pastor in Hana, Hawaii. I had no idea that the oldest one, Peter, would become a missionary in Africa and a missionary in Honduras and, and, and be an MD here in this valley who helped save my life and many other people's lives. I had no idea that one of those little boys named David would one day take over Living Streams and that Living Streams would grow into this fruitful ministry that would plant churches and, and send out missionaries to, to Africa, to Asia, to South America, to Guatemala, to you name it. We've been all over the world and are continuing to go all over the world and the greatest days are still to come. I had no idea because it started so small. Do not despise the day of the small things. That's what the prophet said in Zechariah. Because every great ministry starts with little tiny seeds, the kingdom, and it grows into something special. Here's our last point. The kingdom influence often seems insignificant. He told them still yet another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of God has this incredible power, even though you don't always see it. So you get a little bit of yeast and 60 pounds of flour. Now, you go buy a five-pound thing of flour, it's this big. 60 pounds is like this. My brother gets 60-pound sacks uh, to make pizza. He's a big-time pizza maker with five kids, and he makes them for our whole extended family, and it's a lot of fun. But, but a little bit of yeast impacts all of that flour. Every bit of the flour is changed by the little bit of yeast. Our role in this community, our role in the debate right now raging in America about what we do has significant impact. And our role needs to be a kingdom influence. We need to be light and salt. We can't give up. We can't just say, well, this nation is destined to go into violence or chaos. Or we can't uh, be naive and say our nation is just destined to have a wonderful comeback and we can ignore the, the raging forces, whether they be virus or racism. We can't afford to be naive. We have to be involved. And we are involved with an incredible power called the kingdom of God. The anointing of the Holy Spirit can transform simple, regular people into vocal mouthpieces who speak words that will transform people's lives, that will quench the fire of violence and, and rage and hatred and resentment and tamp it all down because we have a love that overcomes evil. We have a love. And the gospel says that evil can be overcome by the love of God because it is a greater force in Jesus' name. So there you have my message for you. I love you guys. We're going to take communion now. If you uh, have a cup, if you have some bread, let's take it. We've got um, just a moment to pray here. I'm going to pray with you, and then you can take communion. Whether you're on your own, whether you're with a group, if you're in Christ, you're in his body. This bread represents that we who are many are one body. The cup represents the reality that we who have all sinned 
are forgiven by his blood. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this spiritual family. I thank you so much for your life, your bread of life, which unites us. I ask, Lord God, that we will be united as a testimony of this new covenant that comes through your blood, the forgiveness of sins. Wash us, forgive us, help us to be bold about doing your work. In Jesus' name we pray.